but more optimistically. Let's go for real. There you go. All right. I. <laughs> Sorry, that was me whacking the mic. Are you ready to go? Um, I'm, I am. I was ready, and then I scooted my chair, in, and then it just all went to. Oh God! Hey, everybody! I'm Kyle Rizdal. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. You can hear the engineers going, "Oh, what are you doing?" It's like, why can't uh, y'all use microphones like know, professionals? Right? I am Kimberly Adams. It is Thursday, May the fourth. May the fourth be with you, of course. Everyone, thank you so much for joining us. All right, we're going to do a little news, then we'll do a smile thing, and then we will let you all be on your way about your day. Uh, let's go. Well, yours are more serious than mine, actually. Actually, they're all serious. Yeah. But, but yours are more yeah. relevant, more topical, more immediate. How about that? Sure. I mean, I, mine are both very Washington-focused. So first of all, um, today a jury here in Washington convicted four members of the Proud Boys of seditious conspiracy. Now, that this is, of course, linked to January 6th, the Proud Boys were this far-right militia group that, you know, really led some of the most violent acts uh, on January 6th and so were quite organized and there's a lot of documentation showing that they clearly had a plan to try to take over the government and, you know, stand in the way of the election. And seditious conspiracy is a very, very serious charge. This dates back to the Civil War. And these verdicts can bring them up to 20 years in prison. They also have also have been convicted of many, many other felonies, um, convicted of conspiring to in, impede Congress from performing its duties, obstructing law enforcement during a civil disorder. There's a mistrial on a couple of counts after jurors couldn't reach consensus, and then one person, I think, was acquitted because they weren't quite a leader. But, you know, it's it's a good moment to check in on the fact that more than 600 people related to the Capitol rampage, as Reuters calls it, uh, have been convicted of crimes related to the attack on the Capitol. And people are doing real time for mm -hmm. this. And would, as, as they should, five people um, died during or shortly after the riot. More than 140 police officers were injured. And these Proud Boys were really some of the more... Um, violent folks there. And, you know, they're planning to appeal. Uh, they've, you know, a lot of them are claiming that they are being scapegoated for Trump mm -hmm. since uh, Trump has not been held liable for this yet. Um, but it's just, you know, worth noting that these cases are still ongoing. People are still being convicted and we are still learning more about just how bad that day was. Um, yes. So that's one. I, I, I toyed briefly. So first of all, yay, right? I don't think I'm mm. betraying any impartiality there by saying, yay, the people who attacked the Capitol yeah. or led attacks on the Capitol have been uh, convicted. I mm. toyed briefly with making this my make me smile because it kind of put a smile on my face. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. And I realized that would have uh. violated the whole concept of the make me smile. But, but wow, this is, this is, I mean, you, you can't. Justice serve does feel good. Right. It takes exactly. a while. Exactly. I mean, this yep. it's yep. more than two years later. Um, it's never going to help the families of the people right. who died or, you know, some of those officers, you know, aren't able to work mm -hmm. anymore who were injured. And but, you know, something is being done. Uh, right. So, sure. Right. Uh, you, you know what? Why not? 
You're allowed to smile about that. Uh, Number two, another political um, story here in Washington, but also a big money story. More and more developments every day about Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas and Mm -hmm. just all of the money and resources and gifts that he has been getting from this really, really wealthy conservative donor today, there was reporting out that he also had one of his relatives who I guess was his adopted, you know, basically he treated him like a son. Mm-hmm. You know, Harlan Crow paid for this guy's, this young man's boarding school to the tune mm-hmm. of many, many thousands of dollars. And just as a reminder, this, you know, very wealthy man is also like owns the house that Clarence Thomas's mother lives in uh, for, I mm-hmm. guess, no rent. And yeah. I linked uh, in the show notes to a Vox story about this, which goes over a lot of the reporting from ProPublica about just the extent of the, you know, <laughs> ethical awfulness it going on here. But it also has some solutions, right? If you scroll to the towards the bottom of the article, you know, it says there are better ways to design a judiciary and brings up a couple of different models of different ways that this could be done because right now there's no accountability for this. Mm-hmm. Congress can't really do anything, other courts can't really do anything because the Supreme Court is the highest court in the land. They are effectively accountable to no one. And in, our, in, a, in a democracy, there should be no one who is accountable to no one, right? And so yeah. they list a couple of other models. So in the British system, I'm just going to read here. The British system, for example, Supreme Court justices are selected by a commission consisting of the court's current president, a senior member of the judi- judiciary, and representatives from local judicial selection commissions in England, Wales, Scotland, and Northern Ireland. The Lord Chancellor has a single-use veto that they can use to reject the first choice, but if they use that power, they can't block the second choice. Similarly, U.S. states use a system called the Missouri Plan, which of course means I love it more, and under that process, (laughs) there's a (laughs) – Hmm. It took a second, but I'll take it. Uh, A seven-person commission that includes three lawyers elected by the lawyers of the Missouri Bar, three citizens selected by the governor, the chief justice who serves as chair. When a vacancy opens on the state Supreme Court, the commission selects three names and forwards them to whoever the state governor is at the time, who must then choose from one of those three candidates within 60 days, or the commission makes the final decision. Basically spreading out the decision-making for these very important roles rather than it just being a purely partisan decision by a single administration. And I think, like, now, will we end up in a situation where anytime soon we're seriously revamping the Supreme Court? It's very unlikely given the political situation here in Washington. But it is worth noting that there are better ways to do this that at yeah. least provides some accountability. So that yeah. that's my rant. I and it, and it's a good rant, and I I associate myself with everything you have said. The thing I legit don't understand about this is that it is okay for the Supreme Court to declare an act of Congress unconstitutional, but mm-hmm. it's not okay for the Congress to uh, apply any kind of oversight 
to the court. Now, yes, the Senate does have advice and consent on nominations, and the Congress can control the size of the court. It can control some of the cases. It can control the inferior courts and how many of them there are. But I don't get, to your point about nobody should be unaccountable, I don't get how there's no there's no congressional oversight on this one. I don't, I don't get you it. You know, it's... It's funny. It's like the the founding fathers got the balances part on this one, right? But not the checks. Right, 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 right. But not the checks. Because it was supposed to be checks and balances, but it's only like the balance part because there's, you know, balance on the front end of who goes into the court and Mm -hmm. the structure of the court, but no check on the court at all. Right. And this... uh Right. And this idea that they hold uh, their term of service during good behavior, right, which has come to mean lifetime appointments, means that once they're in the door, that's it. See you later. You know? Yeah. 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 Uh, Yeah. Okay. So anyway, mine are uh, uh, sort of brief, actually. One of them, I just want to point out that not a day after we did the episode on child labor with Mm. uh, the reporter from The New York Times on Tuesday— Here we go with McDonald's, a franchisee being fined for illegally using workers as young as 10, keeping them working till late in the evening. And are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Two 10-year-olds are among 300 children who worked at McDonald's restaurants illegally. A Labor Department investigation of franchisees in Kentucky found. Uh, What? Just what? Just what? So there's that item. Item number two, uh, so I was having a conversation with with Nancy Fargali, the executive producer of Marketplace this morning, and we were talking about, I don't even know what we were talking about, and and we got to talking about this trip that we took to Washington last mm-hmm. week, or maybe it was two weeks ago, I forget, frankly, did a bunch of interviews, whatever, and we each remarked that uh, masks on airplanes now are basically gone. Like, mm-hmm. as recently as a month ago, I was wearing a mask on a plane, but this time I didn't. And she wore her mask only a little bit, and by and large, masks are gone on planes, which made this item that I heard, and maybe some of you all have heard this too, since you're probably public radio fans, but but Rob Stein on the Empire Newscast throughout the day has been pointing out these new numbers from the CDC, pointing that COVID is now the fourth leading cause of death in the United States, as opposed to the third leading cause of death. And we point out, not infrequently on this podcast, that the pandemic, while largely forgotten in people's minds is actually not over. And I just want to bring mm-hmm. this point up in this CDC report. 500 people a week are dying from COVID. Quarter million people last year, 224,000 people died from COVID. So, and this is more as a memo to myself than anything else. While we have decided we're done with COVID, COVID is not done with us. And, and that's, we just need to remember that. Yeah, that's wild. It's, um, I got an email yesterday from someone who I ran into when I was in St. Louis uh, last week to let me know that they tested positive for COVID and came mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, we were hanging out and tested positive for COVID. And, you know, so I notified my mom and, you know, we're going to test and all those things and it's fine. We didn't test positive. But that is the first time in a very long time oh, that yeah. I have been extended that courtesy, you know, yep. of somebody yep. letting – me know that they were sick who actually knew that they were sick. Like I still, when I feel sick, I test for COVID first, you know, just mm-hmm. in case. 
But I, a lot of people, when they feel sick, they're just not testing anymore. Um, mm -hmm. I still wear a mask on planes. I wear masks on public transportation. I wear a mask if I'm taking like a rideshare service. Uh, sometimes mm. I wear it in the grocery store, but not always. Definitely mm. when I go into the pharmacy, it's <laughs> full of sick yeah, people. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. um, and I think that's... That's probably going to be my MO for the foreseeable yep. future. I yep. don't imagine that is, that is dialing back yeah. anymore from that. Yeah. Well. yeah. It's just people are still dying. That's but I definitely go to restaurants and to crowded places yeah. that are probably way more risky than, you know, the metro and don't wear a mask. So it's sort of like, what did, what did we call it? Um, sanitation theater. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, so like security it. theater. Anyway. Yeah. Right. Right. All right. All right, Drew. Was it true? I don't even know if it's true. I think it's true. Yes. All right, it's true. Uh, yeah. Okay. You go first. Uh, so uh, this uh, weekend is the Kentucky Derby. And, and let's just stipulate here that there are real challenges in horse rating, racing right now. There are over-medications. There are horses that are dying. And that is, in and of itself, a tragedy. But the Kentucky, Kentucky Derby is happening this weekend, and it is the 50th anniversary of Secretariat's season where he won the Triple Crown with records that have yet to be broken 50 years later, including some ginormous mm -hmm. win at the Kentucky Derby. I don't remember by exactly how many lengths. Anyway, in The Athletic today, which you can read if you have a subscription in The New York Times, and which we'll put on the show page. I don't know. Maybe I can arrange a gift subscription or something. Anyway, there's a so so Secretariat after he won was retired and put out to stud, and he had 663 uh, foals or ch well children, but foals, right? Of mm -hmm. which only two are still alive. There is a story in the Athletic today about uh, the daughter. She's 34 years old. And she is living in retirement in I don't even know where. It's a great, great, great little story about this horse and and what her life is like and the history. And it's just cool. I just really liked it. And it gave me a little smile. And that's it. That's what I got. Her name is Trusted oh, Company, by the way. Lovely. Yeah. It's, it's really and I cool. love that she's like all shaggy and stuff because she's oh, just chill in retirement yep. and out in the field yep. and just like, yeah. I'm going to get yeah, to see a bunch great. of thoroughbreds this weekend because I'm going to a steeplechase with some friends. Oh, it's, it's what's wild to me is so I've been to one actually out mm -hmm. in like Virginia horse country where that's where I was I'm going. Washington. That's where I'm going. Yeah. yeah. Super cool. Great to have done once for a whole lot of reasons. But the th it's so loud, man. Those horses come around the corner and the earth shakes. The earth it's shakes. Wild. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It's it's oh. also like terrifying to watch. Like anybody who's seen yep. National yep. Velvet, yep. that's what we're talking yep. about with the steeplechase. Yep. And like those those barriers are huge. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like and these horses yeah. are big, big horses, but huge. you see them going and and yeah. it's like, oh, there's a brick wall with some bushes and a little pond that you have to just uh -huh. go over, like no big deal. And you know, 
Uh, it, it was funny. Uh, Drew was uh, posting about all the fun hats that are going to be seen this weekend at oh, yeah. the Kentucky Derby and at the Coronation. Uh, there was somebody who tweeted, oh, my Lord. Yes, that's the right. Coronation and the Kentucky Derby are both May 6th. What a wonderful day for big, stupid hats. And I am here there to say go. that, yes, I will be wearing a big, stupid hat on Saturday and loving it. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. All right. What do you got? Uh Okay, I've got to. Um, I couldn't go without, you know, a May the Fourth related story. Of yes, course. it's Star Wars Day. You know, I, I am who I am, and I embrace oh, yeah. that part yeah. of myself. Totally. Um, there is a hilarious story in Polygon, uh, which is sort of like this gaming um, news outlet, and I'm trying to redeem myself for not knowing what games Activision Blizzard had. <laughs> Yesterday. Um, so anyway, Polygon has this story about a new Star Wars game, uh, which is Star Wars Jedi Survivor, which apparently finally takes us to a Star Wars bathroom because apparently <laughs> <laughs> sorry, in all the Star Wars franchises, you rarely, if ever... See what the inside of a bathroom looks like. Mm. So this is a little sample. Granted, it isn't the first Star Wars bathroom ever depicted. That honor weirdly might go to the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge theme park where the bathrooms are in character. (laughs) And Andor also kind of showed us Star Wars bathrooms, but they were also basically prison cans. Spartan, functional, not big on privacy. Similarly, the Razor in the Razor Crest, Din Djarin's ship in season one of The Mandalorian, had a head for his long-haul trips that's possible to spot in the background of the first episodes. However, the bathrooms in Jedi Survivor are the real deal and probably a possibly a somewhat scummy representation of how most folks go in the Star Wars universe. And there are many, many photos of the bathroom in a sort of skeezy bar in this game. Which made That's me chuckle funny. and smile, and it was wonderful. Oops, and now I hit the mic. It's our day for this. There you go. Okay, there my you go. other one. <laughs> my <laughs> other one is a little bit more earth-based, and it is a in in popular science a guide to all the cool stuff that you can see in the night sky in May, including meteors, flower moons, and sorry, meteor showers. There's going to be a penumbral lunar eclipse this mm-hmm. weekend. There's going to be an Aquarius meteor shower this weekend. There's a bunch of cool moon things happening. And then Mercury at greatest Western elongation on May 29th. And so yeah, wow. there's lots of details on how to see all those things. So I thought that was kind of fun, too. That's I'm all I got. Have to look that up, the, the Western elongation. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. I can tell you a little bit about it real quick. It okay. says Go ahead. this is... Uh, the planet Mercury will reach its greatest separation from the sun in late May and into June. It may be difficult to see from the United States, but it's expected to reach this, reach this point in the pre-dawn hours beginning on May 29th. So there we go. Excellent. And now we know. Uh, we and know. with that, we're out of here. Uh, we're done. Back tomorrow, Economics on Tap. It's a Friday. YouTube live stream included. Let me say that again. The YouTube live stream will be included. Woo. So, you know. You're committed now, oh, social team. Uh, we'll do the news. We'll have some drinks. Uh, we'll play half full, half empty as well. Yes. And if you've got a question, comment, or a suggestion for the show, you know what to do. We're at 508-UB-SMART or smart at marketplace.org.
Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Berg. Secret today's episode was engineered by Drew Jostad. Our intern is Antonio Barreras. Ellen Rolfus writes our newsletter. Marissa Cabrera is our senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcasts. And Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital. Excellent. Maybe I should wear my big hat to the live stream. Gutsy move. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine... I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.